Welcome back to CX Fans, another episode of the CX Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Iron Man to my Captain America. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, all right. Sweet. And our very own Eric. Yeah. Our very own. Eric, what do you think it's going to be? Well, I mean, last time you did this intro, it was Hawkeye. Hawkeye. That's a so, good guess. So, uh, I think you could go Black Widow. Oh, Black Widow. That's a good guess. Maybe, um, no, you didn't go Hawkeye. You went, I don't know who you went with. All right, well, our very own vision. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? He sucks too. I'm good. <laughs> let's, let's get into this game. I like how I like how we all just hate like half of the Avengers, the three of us. Like, the, there's like half <laughs> the Avengers so we just kind of want to shit on. Um, okay, so we're gonna head right in. Note, uh, little little news first. Uh, so, Lev Bell still playing Family Feud with Pittsburgh? No, 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 no. No Seahawks news only. <laughs> oh, Here we okay. go. It's regular season, Kevin. We do not need to do NFL news anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm so happy about that. You do have no idea. Uh, the Onion. The article from the Onion today: Russell Wilson asks Seahawks to modify play where he's immediately tackled by six players. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys think? You guys like that? That's well done. So that's that's re- the onion doing onion things. That's a real article too. Um, uh, SCH offensive line wonders how this sort of thing can happen on only football team where it regularly happens. They just copy that from uh, the Times. <laughs> SB note. SB Nation uh, posted a thing uh, about uh, Michael Dixon's punting performance. They said only one punter has has done a game as good in terms of yards per punt as that game that michael dixon just had is mike cypress one time age 30 so uh yeah michael dixon pretty good at football we can get into this in a little bit later but kevin wants to whisper punt hub a few times i think uh and then earl thomas is back um i have a question for you guys do you think that this is a a bridge that can be mended or are we looking at the uh, swan song of the earl thomas era uh you know i this might be my hopes and dreams speaking but i think we can amend it when he came back because that was uh you know, not that was during our between our, our recording of podcasts. Pete said that he wants Earl to play here forever, and I I don't disagree with that statement. What fun? My favorite story of the week was people being like, "Do you think they'll start Tedrick instead?" And it's like, "Yeah, the the future Hall of Famer came back to be benched for the second year." Uh, Tedrick Thompson. That that's well, what know, happened. Earl might not know the defense. What the hell? Yeah, it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. So, uh, yeah, that's that's basically uh, the Seahawks news for this week. So let's get right into the game. We'll start off with the Seahawks offense versus the Broncos defense. Uh, Will Disley broke out big this week. Uh, he, re- he received five catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown, a couple big, big plays. We were big Will Disley believers in the preseason. Eric, what did you uh, what did you see from from Will on those big plays? You know, <clears throat> I saw something that I wanted that I've always wanted to see from Nick Vanette. I saw a guy exploding to finish the catch, which is something Vanette doesn't do. Uh, Disley looked like he wanted the pass on every single pass he got thrown his way. I saw a lot of effort from him. I'm not saying that you don't always see that from Vanette. But Disley, like full extension, diving into the into the ground, diving up in yeah, the air. Yeah, jukes. I mean, seriously, this he played like a rookie who wanted. Not let me rewind that. He played like Jason Witten his rookie year, a guy that you were like, wow, I see big things from this guy. So he the played Seahaw- like JJ Watt, but on offense. The Seahawks, um, when they put their starting lineup out, they put two tight ends, tight end. They had Vanette and Disley both as starter listed both as starters. Vanette played 35 snaps. Disley played 33 snaps. Kevin, do you think this distribution might tilt more towards Disley as the year goes on? Or do you think it'll stay pretty even throughout the season? I think it'll stay pretty even. I think it depends. Uh, certain games, it might be more one way or the other, depending on what the team's trying to do. If it's if we're up and we're trying to run the clock out, you definitely are likely to see Disley out there more as we need the primarily blocking tight end. But... Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty fair bet that we're going to see a pretty equal distribution. At this point, it's a timeshare. So before the game started, we asked people which uh, which UCF product will make a bigger impact in the game. Uh, we meant positive, so uh, we'll we'll look at. I'm the, about to say, Shaquem Griffin had a, had a pretty good argument for uh, making more impact. Yeah, three receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown for Brandon Marshall. As Doug Baldwin continues to to miss time, it looks like Brandon Marshall is going to become a bigger and bigger part of this offense. Kevin, do you think that? Um, Marshall and Lockett is good enough for us to kind of weather the storm. Our early schedule is pretty tough. Yes. Okay. What do you like? What do you like about that receiver pairing? Like, do you think 
do you think that like we're going to run a lot of three receivers or do you think we'll kind of modify down to, to more two two wide receivers, two tight ends, stuff like that? I think we're going to run a hybrid between the two. Uh, don't be surprised to see running backs getting split out wide more often as well. If you look like on Disley's first touchdown, it was a beautiful touchdown. So he has about a one and a half second block on the outside linebacker and kind of sells that the linebacker gets him on a bit of a swim move and then uses that to release and takes off towards the pylon, uh, and it's in the red zone. And so he has about two and a half, three steps on the linebacker, and the guy can't recover, and he gets out there for the touchdown. That's a beautifully designed route that immediately gets a guy open for us in the red zone. Uh, I thought that the way they used Marshall to body up on someone was perfect. Yeah, Marshall, they let him get physical. I mean, he did get the one OPI in the end zone. That was a soft OPI, uh, Which I was, I was pretty frustrated <laughs> about because, I mean, he didn't even extend his arms. He, yeah. just, he, did, he was a little grabby. I mean, I'll admit that. But um, Jaron Brown, uh, on passes oh, thrown. Oh, go ahead. Dude, lock it. I have to talk about the Lockett touchdown oh, also. Okay, go ahead. We're going to talk about more about Lockett, but go ahead. So Lockett's touchdown was exactly what we saw a couple years ago before the leg injury. You saw Lockett come across the middle on a double move. Can you tell Lockett he can take a fair catch, though? Like, what the hell? Uh, no kidding. I don't I want him to get injured. <laughs> Somebody's going to dive in his murdered. legs and be pissed. Yeah, he's going to get because, murdered. Right? So Lockett has the ability. The, the thing that makes Lockett special, the thing that makes true speed receivers special, is when you can go in and out of your cuts on a double move without slowing down. And that's something Lockett can do. On the touchdown reception across the middle, he just put a double move on the guy, and coming out of the second break, he just immediately had two steps, and you knew right away no one was catching him. Yeah. That's special. Okay, and then Jaron Brown, on the three targets that he got, he um, he was the passer rating for those throws was 2.7 as they went with one reception for seven yards and an interception. Do you think this was more, Eric? Do you think this is more game script, or is Jaron is Jaron Brown maybe not as good as we thought he was in the preseason? It's hard. It's one game. Uh, Jaron Brown, <clears throat> we spoke about being kind of a one trick pony. I, I don't really know if there's a lot of room for him in in this last game with uh, planning that Doug will now not be playing for possibly a month. Uh, I'd say the jury's out right now. We need to find out what he's going to offer. I mean. I'd say that's kind of the same thing with Brandon Marshall, though. This was Brandon Marshall's return to Denver. And I, I'm not saying it's his first return to Denver, but he spent quite a bit of time there. He probably wanted to show that city a little something. All three catches all three catches by uh, Brandon Marshall went for first downs, too. Yeah, and I, I think Move he had a chance. great game, but I want to see it again. Right, and I, I don't know if Jaron Brown's bad or not. Speed round. I think Jaron oh. Brown, real quick, the big thing with Jaron Brown was I felt like the interception was not on him. And I also feel like... That a, this is a, a really a hard outside corner group to have. He had an OPI as well. Yeah, um, didn't we all? <laughs> no, just two. Brim and Brandon. All right, Kevin, I, Eric, speed round. David Moore, Jaron Brown. Uh, in the next four weeks, who do you think will be, a, while Doug is gone, basically, while Doug is out, which one of these guys do you think will get more burn or will be more effective in the Seahawks offense? Kevin, first, pick Brown. one. Brown easily. Brown easily. Eric. Come on, David Moore. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna join Kevin on the uh, Jaron Brown ah. bandwagon. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see if David Moore does get a few more snaps than he got in the first game. I think he got uh, seven snaps in this first game. Uh, no, he got 16. So I think I'm, I'm interested to see how much. You said seven. I was thinking four. So we're okay. all on the same page. So, uh, <laughs> after Doug went out, I mean, it, it seemed like he got to work more into the game, and uh, I'm excited to see that. All right, let's go to the running backs. Uh, we had Chris Carson and uh, had it having like kind of a great running day where he he was looked like he was unstoppable. Then he fumbles. Penny gets more burn. Prosites gets to play for a drive and uh, plays not good. <laughs> so at running at, in the running game, do you guys have a, a strong feeling about which way is the running back winds blowing? Kevin, I know you have a, a Rashad Penny uh, uh, take on like how his style might be different so yeah, i think there was a really big problem for the offensive line and i know you have a take on how that exactly plays out but uh rashad penny is a patient runner think about like Le'Veon bell or sean alexander to, if you're a, if you're a seahawks fan that's a classic sean alexander trade that's exactly it he likes to bleed out every bit of the block whereas chris carson is the kind of running back that really hits the hole hard and makes his move more immediately, kind of a more violent, sudden runner, which if you're an offensive lineman, those are two different, very different styles of back to block for. 
Yeah, I think that the problem he's going to run into is that we don't have enough good offensive linemen to hold long blocks like that. Uh, you can't be super patient behind an offensive line that lacks the t- lacks the raw talent that we do. I mean, we have three decent offensive linemen at this point. I would say uh, Posich is, is is fine, Britt is good, and Brown is good. Uh, I think the right side of the line, if Fluker can get healthy... And we need someone to speak deep Southern to to a Fetty. The, the, we also need somebody who's just better than J.R. Sweezy. The Carolina twang that J.R. Sweezy brought in there led to some some miscommunications with a Fetty, and honestly, just a Fetty had a, had a tough matchup. And it's not going to get easier this week. They did leave people over to help a little bit, but I don't. It, it's hard to help against Von Miller and Co- and like a running back's not going to chip on Khalil Mack. Yeah, it's like, that's going to be when we talk about that later. That's going to be a thing to worry about. I have a question for you two, though. Yeah. There's a big adjustment for players when it comes to dealing with linebacker speed on NFL defenses. Do you think that part of Rashad Penny's issue is adjusting to NFL speed as a running back? Um, yeah, okay. I have this like thing. We were playing in, in altitude, and I think it really impacted the team. Teams in Denver in September are not very good because they're not in shape yet. So it's it, I'm, I'm not... Penny's coming off an injury, too. Penny's coming off an injury. I'm not sure if he looked slow because he's... He's actually, you know, adjusting to the speed and he's thinking too much and he's reacting a little bit slow. Or if he's just in altitude coming off an injury and wasn't quite 100% yet, it's really hard for me to say. Um, the way Chris Carson jumped over that guy, I mean, obviously the altitude was was impacting him. No, he, no, like, no, no, he looked no, like no, he was no, in like two-thirds gravity right there. So so uh, I, I'm not 100% sure what what to think going in next week. What I do want to say is, is I want to see more CJ pro size. I'm, I want them to play this guy until he gets hurt because the, the raw talent level is really good. And I know he like, there was a weird blocking adjustment play on a pass rush where he blocked middle. And then Chris Harris came off the right side and just destroyed Russell Wilson. And I think that that's on Wilson more than it is on pro size to me. I mean, you, you tell your running back where he should go block and he did block a guy. So it's not, I mean, yeah, he just did the protection he was told. I'm not really sweating it that bad. Um, yeah, so that's that's my running back's take right now. I want to see ProSize get a little more carries, maybe until Penny is like 100%. If, he's, if he is 100% and it's just the altitude, I'm all, I'm fine. Just, let's go Penny. I think generally I just want to see more carries. We only had 14. What do you think about that, Eric? Uh, I have a problem with the amount of carries. 14 is too low, <clears throat> especially in a game where we lost it by four points off two missed field goals. I feel that... Rashad yeah. Penny probably is overthinking things a little bit. It could be altitude and the injury, but, I mean, come on. It's his first NFL game. He's going up against some stellar defensive players. He's probably overthinking a little, a little bit. Plus, look at Chris Carson. He's a guy who made this team when you didn't really think he would. Okay? He was the heir apparent. He was an amazing player for us. For the few games he played, he hurt himself. He was out. Then we draft a running back. With our what is this? Our first pick in the draft, yeah, first round, pick. and it I, that totally sends a message to Chris Carson, whether you think it does or not, whether it did or not. And this is a guy who wanted this job. It wasn't like a Kristen Michael thing where it's like redemption. I can probably do this. I'm going to show him. No, like Chris Carson is. I feel like this guy wants greatness, and so I think he wants those carries, and I think we should give him those carries. I'm fine with just sitting Rashad Penny out for a little bit, not really resting him, but. Given that guy the the minimal amount of carries, right. get him get him more time, give him more seasoning when we have the two blowouts we're gonna have this year. Okay, so uh, I have a I have a, a, a weird stat for you guys. You ready? Please. So Russell Wilson only had two rushing attempts in this game, uh, and in the last four games where he has where he has um two or less or five, sorry five or less rushing attempts. We're Owen Owen four, so uh, do you think that I um, think that you got you got a, a big part of our offense is Russell Wilson running a little bit, you know. So I don't understand why we just went away from he ran once and we we never did any design runs for Russ or anything like that. Like it just I find that pretty pretty frustrating. I felt like the Denver defense did such a great job of dialing up different blitzes though and really containing Russell Wilson they they didn't fall for his tricks in the backfield and I'm going to put that on Denver and I think that's that's really good on them that I think that was probably a goal for them yeah well they're, we're, they did it. we're 13 and 11 we're 13 11 and one overall even though we've lost the last four okay um 
Any other offensive no- notes before we uh, move on to the D? Uh, just play calling got a little too conservative for me, but I think that's something we're going to have to deal with from Shoddy. Uh, Eric, got a final comment for the O? Uh, ready to go to defense. Let's go. Let's just go defense. All right, the defense. The defense was a story of haves or has-nots. As, as Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas, and Bradley McDougal tried to drag the Seahawks kicking and screaming to a victory. Uh, there were other players that played good, but, man, those three guys were all on point in this game. Uh, the safeties, let's start with them. Uh, three interceptions, uh, tons of, tons and tons of uh, impactful plays. Earl Thomas even got a pressure, which is like a Earl Thomas rarity. I loved it. Uh, uh, Eric. Earl Thomas is back. How did it make you feel? Oh man, I was I was weeping with joy as you saw in the in the group thread. I'm just I'm excited to see Earl and <clears throat> he stepped in uh, without missing a beat and came back with that interception. Uh, it's leadership on this defense, which really look at what the defense did. We didn't have a, the pass rush. The right side of our cornerback crew uh, not very good. Our our nickel game not as good as we thought it was going to be. Earl Thomas really did his part in leading this team, and uh, I, I I shudder to think what it would have been without him. Kevin? Yeah, Earl Thomas went out and did Earl Thomas things. I feel like there were a couple of spots where maybe you saw a suffer in communication, especially with Flowers, who hadn't really gotten a chance to play with him at all, or who just flat out hadn't gotten a chance to play with him at all. I think that's going to be something that'll get tuned up as the year goes along and they learn how to deal with each other in space a little better. But Earl's always a net positive. He's a great player, and it was great to have him out there. That interception he had was a thing of beauty. Yeah, so it's a great read. Both uh, The first McDougal interception, um, they just gave it to him, but the, the second McDougal interception and the, fir- and the Earl Thomas interception were both like such fantastic reads, and it reminds you, like, hey, these guys are premier, really good NFL players. And one, Brad McDougal's on a really team-friendly deal. For for next this year and next year, yep. So we should be pretty excited about that. Um, the and Bobby was great. Uh, Bobby got back to doing Bobby things, which I was really excited about. He covered well. He had a run stop. He was uh, he had five tackles. I thought he played. Pretty there good. was a second linebacker spot in this game. Uh, okay, and we have let's, not as good things to say about that. Let's talk about the way that the couple players on the Seahawks really got picked on in this game. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, Shaquem Griffin, Trey Flowers, and Austin Calatro. These four guys. Okay, I'm going to go through them one by one. Mingo targeted three times, got gave up three catches for 32 yards. Griffin targeted five times, gave up four catches for 81 yards. Uh, Calatro targeted three times, gave up three catches for 35 yards. And our boy Trey Flowers, nine targets, seven catches, 124 yards. It was a really tough day for all of these guys. Um, are there any plays that stood out to you as just like a, a perfect example i got the shakeem griffin one okay the play that's a perfect example of the way shakeem griffin struggled in this game for me is that there was the peyton uh or the not peyton Lindsay, uh the um what's that guy's name philip Lindsay. that's it was p Lindsay. philip Lindsay. uh the, the touchdown he got he runs out into the into the area where shakeem griffin is supposed to track him talk about the wheel route shakeem griffin does not track him he just catches the ball, and Shaquem Griffin's not there, and he just runs. It was not a difficult play for for Philip Lindsay. There was nothing special or exciting about what he did. He his the guy who was supposed to be defending him was not anywhere in his neighborhood, and that led to the touchdown. Um, for Flowers, the plays that really stuck out to me are the penalties. Um, I thought he was handsy the whole game. Uh, Kevin, do you, do, you have any, do you have a better Flowers play than that? Did me just picking on him for the two penalties? Yeah, actually, the one I want to bring up is one that I think. The one that gave it the first down, I think that play like drove me nuts. That's why the penalty stuck <laughs> in my mind. Uh, but, where he grabbed him and pulled him forward. Yeah, yeah, that That's was a, just not necessary. That was Browner levels of unnecessary. Okay, yeah, go but ahead. the play that sticks out in my mind is the Sanders touchdown. And what happened yeah. on that play was, in my opinion, if it was an outbreaking route or a sideline route, Flowers did a good job of defending. If it was an in-breaking route, Flowers did a piss poor job of defending all game. And that's exactly what we said we were worried about with him. So on the Sanders route, he uh, gets too big of a cushion from Flowers because Flowers doesn't trust his change of direction ability. Flowers ends up about like two steps off. He's upfield by a step or two, and he's in trailing position when Sanders catches the ball. Then Bradley McDougald floats down from deep safety to be able to come in and make the tackle. The wide receiver, I want to say it was uh, Thomas, 
came in behind Brad McDougald and was going to lay the block. Flowers can look up and see that. Brad McDougald has backed the blocker. He wasn't going to be able to see that. So Brad got blocked from behind on that play and didn't really have a chance. It was functioning like a screen from an, uh, an NBA center. So both Flowers and McDougald have to take the underneath route to the receiver. I mean, neither of them are as fast as Emmanuel Sanders on the play. Sanders breaks free and gets the touchdown. If Trey Flowers was better used to where he should be and what he should be doing, he'd have broke over the top of Demarius Thomas and gotten the tackle about five yards up the field. And it would have been a long game and still not a very good play, but it wouldn't have been a touchdown. There's little things like that that I think are very correctable mistakes. The change of direction is going to be what decides whether or not he could be an NFL cornerback. That's what we have to see change. When I really like Emmanuel Sanders, I still think he can game, but... He's a good receiver. On that play, it looked like he had explosive speed, and Emmanuel Sanders does not have explosive speed at this point in his career. Or to Trey Flowers. Oh, you're saying he actually does it. Okay, yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying now. All right. Um, uh, Calitro. Caltro has three run stops in this game. You know why? Because they because, literally ran into him. Because once he came into the game, they were like, hey, run directly towards that guy because he is not going to do a good job. 34.4 pro football focus run grade, worst on the team by a significant margin. Um, I thought Calitro had a chance to make an impact if uh, Shaquem Griffin struggled in coverage. Shaquem Griffin did struggle in coverage, and Calitro came in and did somehow worse. Uh, so I, I would say that we're in trouble until KJ comes back in that regard, especially with the matchup coming next week. Um, defensive line. I don't want to slag off the defensive line. I thought they played okay, but not enough pressures. Seven total pressures in the whole game on 74 total snaps is not enough. Uh, this they, We need to create pressure to protect guys like Trey Flowers, and Case Keenum had all day to throw for most of the day. Um, Kevin, where is this pass rush going to come from? Like, do you think Frank Clark can turn the corner here and get more than two pressures in a game, or or do we need one of these other guys to step up? Well, Deion Jordan didn't get a lot of snaps. He was clearly on a pitch count coming off of injury, 15, which makes a lot of sense. Fifteen total snaps, one pressure, one batted ball. Uh, which tells you a lot about Deion Jordan. Same thing that he's always been low productivity only because of time. So I do think the other big factor was if there's always a guy open because Shaquem Griffin or Austin Calitro can't cover them over the middle or because Trey Flowers can't handle it if they break in after five yards, then they got the ball out quickly quite a bit. They played like 13 snaps of Delano Hill at at linebacker, and it was like so much better than... That's what needs to happen because I think our coverage needs to be a little better for our pass rush to get home. The fact of the matter was there was a num- there was a large number of snaps where they just didn't have to hold on to the ball that long. So then, you know, when they finally did... If the pass rush didn't develop because you're in the second half of the game, you're at Mile High Stadium, you might not be as fit as you want to be. Like, I felt like the defensive line did very well against the run, but then our defensive backs and especially our weak side linebacker didn't crash in to mop it up very well. There were three or four times where the linebacker just picked the wrong hole and it totally screwed us. Like, that was a big problem. So I feel like the defensive line wasn't the problem i feel like everything around them exacerbated any of their weaknesses yeah all passes that traveled 10 or less yards in the air kevin uh what do you case keenum he went 6 7 12 uh plus 8 20 20 pass attempts of 10 or less yards and he got completions on 18 of them yep cool it's pretty pretty great if you're gonna if you're gonna nail it at that clip it's gonna be hard to stop you that's it uh all right do you want to talk one more thing? I know you want to talk about it. It's special teams. Oh, the specialist of teams. All right, Nico Thorpe, Nico Thorpe <laughs> yeah, was back, well. and uh, I thought he looked good as the gunner. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Nico Thorpe can combo up with Kevin's new favorite, Seahawk. That's right, punter Michael Dixon. Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Punt Hub. Okay, <laughs> Michael Dixon, the stat we heard this week is that... He, Hot Australian takes punting to places it's only ever been once. That many punts with that big of a net average, only one other guy's ever done it in a single game. Michael Dixon had an incredible opening game in the low... In the altitude, let's be honest. He gets a little he gets a little, gets a little extra uh, length when he's in the altitude, Kevin. That's it. So, so uh, Got the oxygen pumping. Oh my gosh. Uh... So, <laughs> Yeah, he was good. Dear Lord. He was good. I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk about very good at punting. I'm making you very uncomfortable. Anymore. I like it. Let's talk so about Kevin, the, uh, How long was his longest punt, do you know? 
Uh, Come no. on, think I was, about it. it was, say it. I would say probably Come on. You, it's, 69 it's your, yards. It was definitely 69 really yards. Really flipping the field on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was definitely 69 yards. I, uh, like, yeah, Come I, on. Might, I might have tweeted that he grunked it up on that one. But, yeah, I, I believe I gave that one a hashtag punt hub for obvious reasons. But... Uh, for those of you who asked questions, guys, solicited them, so I want to make sure that yep. you understand let's we've hit, answered them. Let's hit all of uh, these questions. Receiver depth moving forward. We already talked about that. Um, let's re- let's review though. Uh, Kevin Kevin likes Kevin and I like Brown to have a bigger impact. While and Doug I think gone. that the big thing is Lockett here. Is there any chance we go to free agency and try to sign one of these guys that's sitting out there? Not Des Bryant. No, we else. uh we <laughs> we brought up uh what Reynolds from the practice squad today. Yep. Um, Solid fill for slot receiver behind Lockett. I like we said at the right before the season started. I feel like the receivers on this team are our receivers are going to be fine. I like Keenan Reynolds, but I don't want him to play like more than twenty snaps. I would love for him to return kicks because I don't want Lockett to return kicks anymore. He's going to kill himself, man. I agree, man. He's what. Crazy out there. I agree. What's our biggest weakness after week one? Cornerback, pass rush, or offensive line? To me, the one I would like to see improve the most is, to be honest, is pass rush. Uh, I, I know it's it's not maybe what most people are thinking about, but the seven total pressures and, and one sack, if, we can't, if you can't get after the passer, it's hard to protect weaknesses in coverage. And right now we have a couple weakness, quite a couple pretty glaring weaknesses in coverage. I, uh, I would also like to go with pass rush because we're leaving... Uh, we could talk about how bad the right side of our our cornerbacking crew is, but if we give any quarterback, say I don't know, a not very good quarterback, like I don't know, maybe Case Keenum or Mitchell Trubisky, or even Case Keenum, General like we just Mitchell saw, Trubisky. all day to throw the ball, it's ridiculous. The man threw three interceptions and still won the game by four points. That's what's so disappointing about this game. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on the offensive line because that's old news, and I feel like yeah, the right side is terrible. But the left side is shoring up, and as soon as we see a decent pass rushing crew as opposed to an excellent pass rushing crew that we've got these two weeks, I feel like that will settle down a little bit. But that pass rush, that needs to happen. I agree. I think pass rush is where we can see the most immediate dividends paid. On a related note, the question was, why was Naz Jones inactive? And I want to turn this just straight to Nathan because Nathan has a bit of a rant about oh, rosters okay. on game day. That's stupid. You, you're allowed to have a 53-man roster, but you can only have 40, 46 guys active on game day. You have to declare seven guys inactive no matter what, even if they're healthy. So and we have a billion D tackles. Obviously, we have 10 defensive linemen and six defensive tackles. So the obvi- one, we're going we're gonna to declare at least one of them inactive, and we had to declare... We ended up having to declare two of them inactive, which is just frustrating because Naz Jones is one of the better, I think, better pass rushers on the entire team, like just in terms of natural pass rushing talent. So it's frustrating because a guy who is fully healthy, who could play, you know, 30 pass rush snaps or whatever, could have been out there disrupting the middle of the line and maybe making it so the middle of the field wasn't quite so wide open. Um, a little frustrating. I mean, I think that they maybe thought Shamar Steven could fill in most of that, but he he's he got one pressure, but it just wasn't. He's solid, but he's not enough. He, Naz Naz can really dominate this interior line. I feel like in the pass rush. So I would rather just healthy scratch the linebackers at this point. <laughs> there aren't Bobby Wagner. Just just sorry sorry Shaquem, you're a you're a great story, but we did not expect he needs you to play. play so he needs much. to play special teams though. Yes, whereas Calitro just needs to play left. There you match. go. Uh, <laughs> did, did play special teams. He's fine. So last but not least, uh, we have a question: Is Russ? Dropping back too far. Um, Clearly, a, somebody who's looking listen, at our playlist because that is a golden oldie. That's, on a, the Seahawks that's a classic Seahawks nest take. <laughs> is, is that this Russ does seven step drops in this game? I thought he did a good job of not doing that. I rewatched the game with this in Except mind. Except for when he peeled off to the uh, fucking right. Yeah, oh my God. It, he he does. He did a hit the classic Tip Wilson where he just he just runs uh runs in one direction, runs blindly towards Von Miller's side. Uh, oh. Not a good idea. Uh, but but I mean, Tom Miller's really fast. I I think that the the offensive play calling was not it was conservative but not bad. So I, I'm not I'm not really that against. It. I thought it was fine. Agreed. I also thought they did a nice job of scheming things open, and I do think there were more three step drops. I also like the way that they used uh, the I I think that boot action left that they consistently seem to use, especially early in the game. It's just a really good action. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but. It's sort of like when a baseball player, like you think about a pitcher in baseball, the goal is to get your arm angle and your motion to look the same on all your pitches. That way it takes until the ball leaves your hand 
for it to for the batter to realize what's actually going on, which makes it as hard as possible for them to react in a limited amount of time. And offense wants to do the same thing in football. If you can make your uh, boot action on a RPO, on a handoff, and on a play action pass all look the same, then you are giving the defense way more to think about. That exact situation is what allowed that Disley touchdown. I really, I really have nothing more to add there. I think you got it. You're good. All right. So thanks to Brian, JRB, and Joel. We appreciate the questions. And if you have any more, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we're Twitter.com to... slash at Seahawks. All right. Do you want to, know the, the, we're I... to do a quick Chicago preview, right? Yeah. So let's get into it. Bears. Last year, the Bear, last night, the Bears went into Green Bay and almost did. Oh, no. Sunday night. Sunday night. Two nights ago. Uh, the, and almost did what many people thought would not be possible. And some people had $20 riding on the Bears <laughs> plus 240 and started celebrating a little bit early. Those people would be me. I was all over this. I said, I said when they got Kalomak, this is wheel missing its piece. This is the this is what they needed to make this into a real team. And they went in there and looked like a real good football team until I think Mitch Trubisky at the end was like, wait, I'm in Lambeau and I have a chance to win this game and I'm a second year quarterback. So there's one of two ways this can go. <laughs> this is one of two ways this can go for the Bears. The good way. Okay, if it goes the good way, that was the learning experience. That was the bump in the road. They got it over in week one, and they are about to make the jump. The bad way it can go is they they go, oh man, we weren't we weren't ready. We blew it, and they really start over pressing. They start over pushing. The thing is, I think there is good veteran leadership all over this team, and that is not going to happen. So. I also just like their coaches, to be honest with you. Like the more I like looked at Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio, I was like, "This is a pretty good coaching staff." Don't uh, underestimate though. Uh, when it comes to play calling, Andy Reid does not play well with others. So Nagy's also figuring out how to be a full time play caller. Yeah, and I think like he got conservative at the end of the game. He was yep. like, "I don't know exactly what I want to do next." Didn't know how to finish it off. Got a little Sarkeesian-y. Yeah, but <laughs> let's talk about the way the let's talk about the Bears in game one because I have their uh, their some of their numbers set up. All right, Khalil cool. Mack. Five hurries, six total pressures. On a limited uh, snap count. Uh, 40, 42 snaps out of the 60. He still played a lot. Akeem yeah. Hicks had two, uh, or 16 total hurries, four sacks, or 16 total pressures, four sacks. Uh, they looked really, really good. Um, other teams, uh, they picked on their uh, their their weak side linebacker, Nick Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. They really picked on that guy in the game. Who, on- for some reason, was playing more than, uh, was taking away snaps from Roquan Smith. That's bad. Uh, don't okay. do that. On I mean, do that next week. Then don't do that. On offense, like I looked, I watched a little bit of their last game, and I okay, I watched all their last game twice. So so <laughs> so um, though their offensive line is pretty good, uh, especially I like the right side of their line. I feel like they give Mitch Privacy time to throw, and they're pretty good. They're really good in the run game. Uh, Jordan Howard, I thought they should have kept. It was weird. Like I felt like they should have kept hammering with Howard, but then they did it in such a way that it was like. They they like he had 15 rush attempts. Why not at the end of the game just start hammering it in with Howard? They started throwing at random times. They threw that pass with like two minutes left. I was like, what are you doing? I felt like they tried to shoehorn Tariq Cohen into the game a little too much. Like they didn't know they tried to like catch the a, lightning in the bottle like they had situ- last year. He's a situational player that needs to be playing situationally. Yes. Yep. Um, I don't dis I do not disagree with that. He's he's really fun and he's really good. So I can see why they want to do it, and he's really good in the receiving game. But th- they did a lot of cool stuff where they put him out wide. They uh they and then brought him back in and tried to figure out the, what the defense is doing that yeah, way. He's a gadget player, and they used him that way, which is good. Trey Burton only had one reception, but he was targeted five times. So I would expect to see a lot more of him, especially if we don't put safeties in the middle of the field to stop him. Yeah, those are my big takes here. Uh, my three big things for the upcoming game. Uh, I think the Seahawks are going to have a lot of trouble stopping Cleo Mack, especially if Fluker's not at right guard. Though a speed pass rush is more dangerous to us than a power pass rush, and they rely a little bit more on power, like with uh, Akeem uh, Hunt. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Akeem Hicks, right? Yeah, Akeem Hicks. He makes it. Yeah, he's there. He's there. Like, um, so they run a three-four, and he's like the left defensive tackle. He's like their. Um, he's, he's there. basically a three-tech, but he plays D tackle in there. He's their JJ. He's their JJ Watt. Um, he plays that JJ Watt position, you know, like on the inside. Uh, 
But Kalamak is everything. He's speed rush and power rush. and That's where it's going to be a nightmare. Frightening human being, just in general. But we have to basically scheme the game out of his hands. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have the talent to just do it. Unless unless we just put Disley over there and double team him all friggin' day. Which, honestly, I think there's worse things you could do. Put, Put Disley on him and at least chip block him every single time just to make it a pain in his butt. And then you're taking Disley out of the game. Well, no. If you have Disley chip block and then go out off of a one Mississippi, they have to deal with that constantly. I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel like Khalil Mack can regroup from that. They will scheme against that at some point. I agree. And also, Russ has a problem throwing over people sometimes at the short distances. Another thing to think about, too, is like their, their, um, their safety, Adrian Amos Jr., is like one of the... like sneaky good players in the nfl like people don't talk about him but he's, he's actually in that brad mcdougall's territory super good he's actually super good and has been good for four years and like no one knows it because he's been toiling in obscurity in chicago um he's yeah, they very have a good. fuller fuller's are okay eddie 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 goldman's a pretty good football player roquan smith as he works in will be will be a very effective football player the this more is, Kwiatkowski, the better uh D- danny trevathan is um is really good and i think that they, he got dinged up in this game and kind of struggled a little bit to in coverage. If if he could, if he's dinged up, that could be good for us. That could be someone we because he's really he's a really reliable tackler in the middle of the field. Are you ready for the good news? Uh, sure. All right, Mitchell Maybe. Trubisky, four point nine yards per attempt. Yeah, he's not good. good. Uh, everything was short. Everything was underneath. So you load up in the box, stop Jordan Howard, and I think we saw a defense that can do it. Number two is. How many, Randall, how many pass attempts do you think he had behind the line of scrimmage? Uh, how many pass attempts did he have totally? <laughs> he had a, 35 total pass attempts. That's a great question. I want to say out of 35 pass attempts, 11. 10. You're and, right on it. Yeah, wow. that, it was a lot. I knew it was a lot before I said that, but I, when I looked, it's 10. And then he had he had the 12 more that were 10 yards or less. Only um, of his 32 pass attempts, only uh, 11 were farther than 10 yards. All the more reason to play two safeties and load up in the box. I will say, though, he... He's looked. He his throws were not inaccurate in the in the in the the deep throws. So maybe they cut him loose a little bit in this game. I'm not 100 percent sure. Throw some ducks out there for Earl. 70. I mean, he was 65.7 percent completion percentage. The short depth of target is concerning. I will. Well, especially with the receivers he has, he had guys that could go out and he didn't use that. I I would hope that that plays into our hands this week. But I'm worried about the right side of our defense. Here's the thing I like that I saw in this game is they got pressure without blitzing. Something that if we can possibly do, it would it would be nice. You oh know, yeah, if Clark even, can tee off against their left tackle, even four or five. Uh, Jared Leto, right? Even four or five That's sacks him. with um with uh in this game with with no uh, with no blitzes would be really really great for this team. I think it would be a total game changer. Who's their left tackle? <laughs> um, Kevin asked me that right as I was about to sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, def- I hope one, you probably heard a sneeze right there, and two, Kevin, it is not Jared Leto. It's Charles Leno Jr. and he's good. That's I just had to have you say it because I wanted the joke to be to yes. make sense. But the other thing is Randall Cobb burned up for 142 yards with a long pass of 75. That means if you take away the one big play, can I? They still got burned by Randall. I'm not very good at football, Cobb. For, uh, that play was weird. I okay, you watch that play. I watched that play back. I kept rewinding it, and I was like, "How did they not tackle this guy?" Right? Like there was just it was just like a weird like the other safety was really really out of position, and then like Khalil Mack almost chases the play down on a play where he pass rushed. Yeah, it was like were, a really bizarre. They were that was still too far 69 forward. yards. Can I ask you a question about Charles Leno, Leno Jr.? Yeah. Okay, Charles Leno Jr. is in his fifth NFL season. He was drafted in the seventh round, pick two forty six, and like has, this and has put together four straight good, pretty good to above average he seasons. Didn't have Tom Cable coaching why, him. Why? Why can't this ever trick. happen to us? We had Tom Cable, <laughs> and it, it happened on punters and linebackers and cornerbacks. Oh uh, Please, can we just get, have this happen one time where we draft an offensive lineman towards the end? I felt like it was going to happen this year with the Ohio State kid, Jamarco Jones. I thought this is the year it we could finally- happen. We finally get an <laughs> offensive lineman late in the draft, and he does good. So yeah, the thing that where I was going with this is I could see Lockett or Brown using their speed in the slot and outside to have a really big day. I think the deep passing game might be plus in this for us. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not a big Kyle Fuller fan? I think that... Uh, I love Kyle the Fuller. The numbers don't lie. I think Kyle Fuller is great for both games of season he plays. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. But when he's on the field... So when he's... he gets injured in the second quarter, we're going to tee off. Okay. Uh, that, I like how he said, like, because you know how he missed the interception on the uh, 
on the one that one play. Yep. And they, he said, he said, I just got to catch it. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was his response to the situation, which I think is just so, so, so good. Oh, it's final kick of the game? Up. Uh-huh. Punt hub. Yeah, I mean, it, we really need to turn the field because on the road against Chicago, it's going to be tough. Like that, that crowd, I think, knows. They know they have a real team now. They're going to show up this so week. So it's Monday night football. We haven't said that yet. Mon- it's on Mon- Monday night. Monday Hank Williams Jr. and everything. Football. <laughs> Auto-tune. You know, another weird thing about this game is that I think like um, James Daniels, they drafted James Daniels in the second round, the center, and they think they expected him to win like one of these interior line jobs and yes. he did not. Nope. Uh, he, he was beat out by these three guys and it's because they played good. And that's another thing. Well, can that ever happen to us? Why can't we have guys play good enough to win jobs, not guys who just kind of get them by default? default. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up and move to the money zone, I just wanted to quickly uh, do a, a college football hit. We've teased, the, we've teased this for a bit now. I'm going to start doing it right before the money zone. I'm going to give oh, you two well, picks. We got to do picks, new man. Picks. Oh, you totally forgot picks. Uh, it was my week to forget picks. I'm glad I filled my role. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Bears, Bears 21, Seahawks 14. Kevin. Seattle. Oh, you, dude, every time we all pick against the Seahawks, they win. <laughs> you're Seattle ruined, you're ruining 32, it. Chicago 17. Oh my gosh. Now Yikes, we're going to lose. Kevin. Don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Chicago. Chicago 20, Seahawks 16. This defense is a not fun matchup for us, I feel like. The offense our offense could defense could be good against their offense though. Uh they're if we win this game it's going to be something weird like when we go into Philadelphia and beat them by 40 points. Like a good Philadelphia like you know when we do that? You mean you mean like 32 to 17? Yeah, exactly. Kevin Kevin's Kevin's got the like the kind of score where we win. <laughs> I will say this, uh, 84% of spread bets so far in Vegas have come in on Seattle uh, plus the 3. But 53% of the money line bets have come in on Chicago. Very interesting uh, trends there in Las Vegas. Kevin, college games. Games of the week. Glaze of the week. The two college games I want you to keep an eye on. There's LSU versus Auburn. So I'm thinking about this from a uh, quality game to watch perspective and a quality of NFL potential draft pick that we want. So there is a defensive end for... Auburn that is interesting, but the player I really want you to look at is cornerback uh, Greedy Williams for LSU. He's going to be one of the top cornerbacks, but probably go in the second round. He's kind of a ball hawking corner along the lines of what we like. Those LSU, uh, those SEC corners with a little more size fit the mold of what we want with our teams. So that's at uh, 1230. It's the CBS SEC game. So LSU and Auburn. And then the other game that I want you to keep an eye on is going to be much later in the day. It's one of the nighttime games. Ohio State is playing TCU. That's the big ABC game that happens around dinner time. Ohio State, everyone wants to talk about uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa's little brother. And Nick Bosa is really good, but he plays on a stacked defense. There are multiple defensive line prospects. There are multiple cornerback prospects that would all make a lot of sense for this team, for the Seattle team, as well as uh, some offensive weapons at wide receiver that might be late round picks for outside receivers from TCU. And I want you to keep a look at the interior of the offensive line for the University of Ohio State. So those are a few things to keep an eye on. Two good college football teams, that, or two good college football games, they're going to have a lot of NFL talent on the field. Hey, Kevin, you, know what, you know what I'm excited for? Pac-12 After Dark. San Diego State hosts Arizona State. Pac-12 After Dark is the punt <laughs> hub of college football. <laughs> it's it's always great. It's always crazy. And, and San Diego State versus Arizona State, that's a game. Arizona State... San Diego I, State we, has not been very good. Arizona State has I, been hilarious. Herm Edwards. I, I talk a lot of trash about that Herm Edwards hiring, and um, well, I was wrong. He, <laughs> he's yeah, he's whatever he's doing. They played some food, some foosball. They he's were the good. anti Gruden. That game was very exciting last week. That very late night game, yeah. like that they won. I was like super into that game. I was like, this Pac-12 is awesome. After Dark is is the is, is it. San Diego State lost to lost to the game. I thought they'd get to this point undefeated, so I'm a little less excited about it than I used to be. But I mean, they're still a tough matchup for Arizona State to go on the road. They're not like talentless or anything. Maybe they bounce back. I'm not sure. Anywho, <laughs> honor big ups to my boy Shane. Uh, the O O B. The uh, 
the money zone. Here we are. You, this is how you can give us money. Patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest, where you can donate as little as $1.24 a month, get get access to our picks, our daily fantasy picks, our uh, uh, money line picks we do every week. Last week, uh, we sucked except Eric. Kevin was okay, but Eric was the only one who was actually good. Yes. Uh, and then uh, I was straight up bad. And then our daily fantasy picks actually pretty good. I put out a red alert on Patreon that said, you got to play James Conner and Keelan Cole, and then just load up on the top guys. Make sure you get your boy. Kevin, the running back for talking New about, Orleans. Oh, you're talking about Alvin Yeah, we Kamara. all picked Alvin Kamara, yeah. and he was killer. Like, we were we were on it. We had good daily fantasy week last yeah, week. Yeah, garbage time Phillip Rivers, best kind of Phillip Rivers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my my uh, hot take, Joe Flacco is playing for a job. That worked out super good. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Just all, everything was coming up Millhouse, you know? So, <laughs> so we, we, did, we did great last week. Um, on the daily fantasy, not the picks. The the picks will turn around. Last year, I was like so many games over five hundred. I just I don't know how to bad week. Anywho, <laughs> go for the double. <laughs> anywho, Kevin, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, maybe you're broke like me, you're a teacher. Facebook.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, go to Patreon or SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, and give us five stars. Also, one day I promise I'll learn how to talk. I've only been doing this for four years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Movies. Movies. Kevin. Uh, I just want to say it was very difficult this week thinking about movies because I, I didn't know what direction to take it. This week a Paul Feig movie comes out and I was like, well, we could talk about Spy. Oh, we already talked about Spy because I, I think I tried to convince you to watch it. Did you end up watching Spy? I did end up watching Spy. Did I'm you? enjoying it. Oh, yeah. It's really fun. I'm a really fun movie. I, let's laugh so that hard. That movie has a lot more charm than it should. I Honestly, yeah. I think if you liked Kingsman, you would like Spy. Uh-huh. I can I can see that. Um, okay. So I was like, eh, we, maybe we, 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 don't, we don't go that direction. Then I was like looking at the other movies that come out this week, and I was like, "Ah, oh, Shane Black made Predator. We could make we could make uh, Eric think about Iron Man three again." Dear Lord, no! Oh, and Why then we have a Predator Eliminator. Eric got his revenge uh, by suggesting a McCon Eliminator. No, I think that was me. That was, that was Nathan. Oh, that just seemed like a very Eric idea. Um, no, I want no. My idea is a Predator Eliminator. Let's do it. <laughs> With, with all, with all like, movies. with all the really crappy like Alien versus Predator movies. Yeah, we'll get eliminated first. We'll end this in two minutes. It'll be great. Uh, the the first this predator is a sexual tyrannosaurus. The first, the first predator is the best one. All right, count yeah, it. The, the end. Count I, mean, it. I spied eliminate the first predator right on the bat. <laughs> That's a cl- that'd be a so classic. Go. That would be a classic so Kevin move. Just like uh, I'm eliminating just predator. And Somehow we'll... predator two would win and we'd all be confused. <laughs> I like predator two. It's fine. See, are we about to do? Are we about to win. do predator two? What's it? What's it? Yeah. All right, we're All doing right, Predator Two. This is All ridiculous. Right. So, let's do it. So, Predator Two stars uh, Danny, Danny Glover, Glover Donald and Glover's dad. No, it's not Danny Glover's it's dad, not, dude. <laughs> it also so, has real quick. Time it also has Mar- Marita Chinchito Alonso and Bill Paxton. <laughs> let's not leave out the best actors in this movie. Yes, it's uh, it's also got. Uh, <laughs> I will always like uh, Maria Chinchito Alonso because of the um, the Running Man. <laughs> oh my yes. gosh! One okay, one she that movie is is not good, but <laughs> no, I will fight anyone charming. about that. It's it's corny and so bad, and like every villain in that movie does not look menacing at all. But she <laughs> she is like fine in that movie, dude. Like she is like peak eighties hot or what? Yeah, her I mean, and Arnold are the only people who look good in those outfits. All right, Garrett, continue. Sorry, uh, no. Uh, let's shall we go over the plot for? All right, let's do it. There's Tell a me plot. Oh, oh, you better <laughs> believe it. You better believe there's so much plot in this movie. So how long has it been? Have you seen Predator 2, Kevin? Well, let's see. It came out in 1990, so... Probably like 15 years? Yeah, 15, 20 years. I, okay. I remember it existing. For okay. me, it's been about a summer. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, watched, I watched it like two years ago, because I wanted to see if it was like as mediocre as I remember, and it was better than I thought it would, would be. So the first Predator movie takes place in a jungle, but the sequel takes place... In an urban jungle. In a concrete jungle. Yeah, exactly. And instead of, uh, you know, going up against a bunch of mercenaries and uh, jungle warfare gangs... Uh, the predator now is hunting drug dealers. There's a uh, a weird angle where the narrator to the story to give backstory is Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, uh, basically being the sleaze reporter, talking about all the drugs and violence and dead bodies on the streets of Los Angeles. LAPD, when are you going to do anything? And of course, the LAPD comes in. It's led by Danny Glover and his super task force of people with large guns. Uh, this movie is is over the top and bloody before we knew what over the top was. 
Uh, but basically, these these cops find these drug dealers, and they've already been killed. And they're like, "Who killed these drug dealers?" They think there's a, a like turf kind of, war. Yeah, some kind of weird turf war. But between the Jamaicans, because Jamaican gangs in the '90s were a huge thing in movies. Yeah, uh, that was the thing. Yeah, and there's, cool there's, there's, there's like a there, <laughs> the the Jamaican gang is like led by uh by like a guy who's uh, like King King, King Willie. Willie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And oh, uh, the the gang named King Willie El Scorpio. King Willie has some great lines in this movie, which you guys are reading this right now. This is off memory for me. He says something like, uh, Mr. Police Man, uh, when Danny Glover gets there. He's a voodoo high priest. Yes. I oh. forgot all oh, about yeah. that. He's, he talks about a spirit so that walks. You know, he tries to go with the bad juju. It's a spirit that walks because the predator cloaks himself. Oh, this is offensive. Uh, at the, after uh, Danny Glover leaves and King Willie says, Goodbye, Mr. Policeman. You go now. Uh, the Predator just chops his head off. Guess what? The, yeah. Oh, no, he pulls out a sword and yes, the Predator his, chops. It's a cane sword, I believe. It's like a rapier, yeah. It's like it's like from a cane, yes. <laughs> yes. And then another weird uh, like thing about that is the 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 the, uh, the gang is called Jamaican Voodoo Posse. Or that's that's a legit name. Which sounds like a which sounds like a um a like knockoff of the insane clown posse. That is my <laughs> that's my nineties reggae band. Actually. Maybe that was the inspiration for insane clown posse. I, I do have a weird kind of angle I want to talk about because I feel I like I feel like we could all talk about this and settle it because I've wondered this since I was a, a wee lad. Uh, Arnold wanted to be in the movie, but they would but he uh, did, they didn't give him enough money. Oh my gosh. Put Arnold in a movie already, in a Predator movie. He's been in 700 Terminator movies. They all suck outside of number one and two. They need to pay me. Um, pay the man. Give him his money, like Earl, Earl Thomas. So in there's a very important scene where the Predator, uh, we all know he only attacks people with guns, right? Or, you know, who are actually, you know, hunting. Combatants. Combatants, thank you. So Maria Conchito Alonso pulls a gun on him, and he, he holds her up, and he, he, you know, he looks at her skull as if he's going to collect it. But then he looks at her tummy, and he's like, oh, she's carrying a baby, and uh, leaves her to, to, to still live. But everyone else in this movie seems to die outside of Danny Glover. Big spoiler. Who's the who's the dad? Is it Bill Paxson, or is it that other guy that I can't remember his name? Who I dies first? Ruben Blades? <laughs> Ruben Blades? Ruben Blades, thank yeah. you. It's a voodoo love Oh, Ruben Blades is great in this movie, Ruben by Blades the way. Ruben Blades is awesome. He, he goes in and... Benny Blades or Brian Blades. He finds, he finds the Predator's weapon first. Uh, they take it into forensics and they find out that it's not... That's all these elements and metals not of this world. Big surprise. Uh, let's... If you guys if you guys don't want to talk about who the father is, we'll go to the big scene in the movie. <laughs> and that's Gary Busey is in the movie. Yeah, and Gary Busey, yep. Gary Busey, like straight up saves uh, Danny Glover's life at the end. It's hunting season. He's like the maybe, he's like maybe the, it's uh, his child. It's like the hero of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the the best thing about this new Predator movie coming out this weekend, he really wants to capture the Predator too. Oh, wait, can I tell you what the tagline was for the movie? Yes. Pull over, park, and pray. Oh, that's just dumb. I've never that's heard that really in my life. All right, you want to hear? You want to hear some? Want to hear a weird fact about this movie? Yes, I they, do. They, so, the, according to the costume designers of this movie in Predator Two, they de- they redesigned the main Predator to look more urban and hip than its predecessor. <laughs> Design changes included tribal ornamentation to the forehead, which made which was made steeper and shallower, brighter skin coloration, and a greater number of fangs. I'm sure everyone noticed. Well, I'd say that's subtle, and maybe it worked. Um, uh, they said a snake. This quote from the director: "A snake's a snake, but uh, but different snakes are different." <laughs> A- Amen. Amen, director. Oh, uh, who man. did direct this movie? Uh, it was Stephen Hopkins. You, uh, want, you want to know some other Stephen Hopkins classics? Yes. Uh, the movie Race that came out two years ago. Hmm. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Oh, The Dream cool. Child. There you go. A bunch of episodes of like 24. Okay. Um, so he's 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 had some work. Yeah. I'll say this about the new Predator movie. Did you know that Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey... Is in this movie and he, is? he plays yes. Is he in Marita Crunchito Alonso's stomach? No, he plays <laughs> Gary Busey's character's son from Predator Two. This is oh, not a joke. That's so meta. That's amazing. Uh, Adam Baldwin's in this movie too. Well, now it's going to be terrible. His name is Garber. Kevin, how do you feel about that? Ooh, uh, this not good. Terrible <laughs> news. Kevin's like, dang it! I wish this was this didn't I, happen. I, I, w- I really wish I could have upgraded Baldwin's. Uh, yeah, he's like the worst Baldwin <laughs> to any other Baldwin. <laughs> Um, okay, let, let's talk about the the ending of this movie, though, Eric. That's the, oh, the the ending is the ending uh, is the money shot. I feel like there's there's a uh, there's three great money shots on the ending. One, you can see the predator ship. 
Two, you could see the uh, trophy room, which yeah, has that's the, that's yeah, some Easter yeah. eggs, mainly the alien skull. Yeah, Xenomorph skull. Yeah, the Xenomorph skull. Uh, supposedly there's some other like Star Wars skull, but no, I, I've done my research there. It's not there. Um, the other is Danny Glover killing a predator by hand. Yeah, with uh, the with the weird like predator throwing disc. Thing. Yeah, like the uh, the not Tron disc. The chakra. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he just all the other predators appear because they've been cloaked the whole time and he goes, Okay, who's next? <laughs> this uh, is also his first and then movie they, after they, the present, they present him with like a prize, right? Yes, it's uh, basically you killed our I don't remember hunter. What it was. It's an old gun and it says like some white dude's name from it's a 18, musket. 1715. No, it's not a musket. It's, it's a, a flintlock. Oh, is that it's, it's is a, a musket? A pistol, still, uh, it's a pistol. It's like a yeah, small. Yeah, it's one. a flintlock pistol. Is that it's still a musket? Uh, I guess it would depend on how that. End I don't is, know. I it's don't an know. it's an but old ass gun. It's the description seventeen fifteen. Yeah, and that's is there is it a famous person we don't know? Like, uh, I believe the line is it was mumbled incoherently. Because there's there's a uh, there's a a name on the gun, but basically it's it tells us that the predator has been. Coming here for years and killing people, even in the old west, when it was probably easy to hunt. That's a movie I want to see, by the way. What? Predator eight seventeen fifteen. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> I would love to see some prequels. Go, uh, go full. Did anybody with see this. the? Did anybody see the Predators movie with Adrian Brody? I did, and that movie is Not in the running. Movie. In the running for best Predator movie, although the first one beats it. That movie is incredible. I that really didn't. Great. I really thought it was like super average, but. It's, what'd you what'd you like about it? I like that they took it back to its roots. It's in a jungle, even though it's on another planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't really tell you where it is. They it has Walton Goggins and Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, it does. Uh, Walter Goggins, uh, Walton Goggins, especially that guy's. That's uh, my dude. He's, he's great. a great character actor. Even though you don't watch Vice Principals, he's incredible. In I that. can't. It's just too much for uh, from a teacher's I, perspective. I understand. Uh, I'll say th- there's a lot of cool actors in the, that movie, but it's it takes place off world. Adrian Brody's just in it. He's not. He's like he's just the scenery. I, I just thought the movie was uh, wholly unoriginal, and everyone was okay with that. And they also introduced like another predator species. Also, apparently, no one has last names in this movie. No, it's just it's Dutch. Too much work. It's just Dutch, or like, like <laughs> or, or it's nothing but garbage. That's way more writing than they wanted to do. Uh, okay. So, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you want to see the new Predator, the Predator? Um, does it does it does it uh, does it hurt your liking of it that there was a Predator that was on the cast of the movie? Apparently, <laughs> have you guys heard about this controversy? No. Yes, oh, it's like a it's like a controversy where like to catch a Predator. Yeah, there was like a, there was like a sex, sex sexual offender or something, a registered sex no. offender on the cast or something. Way to go! Way uh, to go! Due diligence, guys. Uh, there's okay. Here's the thing: there's a bunch of actors I like in this movie, but they're none of them are playing like good roles like the like they're all like side roles like keegan's in the movie and alfie allen's in the movie and it's like but the main character is boyd holbrook and i'm like i don't know i just don't want i don't really know if there's going to be if you look at the the plot of this movie i think those are all main characters i think they took a an ensemble ensemble of guys that they could pay a small amount i mean olivia munn's in the movie it can't be that star so sorry take that sterling k brown you like sterling k brown uh i'd have to see his face this guy it's the This Is Us. Oh yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Good voice yeah. actor too. Um, he was in Jobu in uh in Black Panther. Oh, he was. <laughs> yeah, and Jobu's like the best too. Um, all right. Any any uh, final Predator comments before we we sign off here? Boys? Uh, yeah, I think the floor on these movies is inherently high. So if you just want to go watch something that's very actiony. You won't be disappointed, man. Yeah. Just take like a Sunday morning matinee, pay six bucks for your ticket, and just enjoy. Don't go in with high expectations. Just go for some action. All right, you Eric, might get surprised. Eric, you got any final Predator thoughts? Uh, this is maybe the Predator movie since Alien vs. Predator that I've been excited for the least. Oh, the chances are high that I'll see. Leading it. me into my take, Alien vs. Predator. Both those movies are garbage, and you should not even think about them. Those movies are hot trash. They are so bad, and I hate them both. All right, is that strong enough for you guys? Sure. Okay. But, but what do you really think? Um, okay, uh, I just think they they were they shouldn't have never been made. Like they are basically like 
They should have been sci-fi original series or something. There's n- it's fan service for nerds who didn't care. Right exactly. there with dogs. As a huge fan of both the movie Alien and the movie Predator, I have no desire to see Alien versus Predator. It's like Jason. So you're, I was about to say you're saying it's about the great. It's about the level of thought through as Freddy versus Jason. Right, Freddy. Versus- which is this is a meme that you took too far. Yeah. The the tagline for the movie was "Whoever wins, we lose." And I'm gonna say that the way you lost was to see the movie. <laughs> like that. That's that's what the, the tagline was trying to get at. All right, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Punt Hawks.